0: Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, as we continue looking through this wonderful passage of Jesus leading his disciples and teaching them, uh, leading and guiding them in a way of truth and in a way that truly will make them free. It's one of those things in uh, God's word that we learn and we understand that many times it's the opposites that we uh, that we think uh, will happen uh, it's not always the way that it it does happen uh, god tells us that we are to uh, be the uh, last and the last will be the first and and all of these things so when we look here in god's word When we're dealing with forgiveness, we seem to want to hold on to things, hold on to people, hold on to grudges or whatever it may be. When God actually says you need to forgive and that's actually where true freedom will come. Jesus is teaching on various aspects of discipleship here, teaching the disciples some very difficult things, very difficult things to put into practice. It will be easy for you to sit and listen to these things, but it will be hard for you to go out and actually do them. That's the reality of it. If you don't struggle with it, then it's not being fully understood in and dealt with. And so Jesus teaches them these things that are coming about that that are going to be very difficult. Now the verses that we are looking at this morning, they're very popular. And if you go to a Christian bookstore or go online or you turn on TBN, which I would not suggest, but you do any of those things, you will find these verses talked about a lot they're repeated in mark 11 and we're going to look at that as well very briefly later on but in these verses where we see that if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed you could say to this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you and so many times people have interpreted this passage to mean that if i just had enough faith then i could do x y and z In other words, you'll see those uh, those guys on TV or they'll write those books and they're smiling and they're telling you God has a great blessing just for you right? And it's just right around the corner. And all you got to do is just reach out and grab it. And you're just waiting for, because there is a blessing coming your way. It might be a raise. It might be a new relationship. It might be, you know, a new car. I don't know, whatever. And, and when it doesn't happen, it's because you didn't have enough faith and send us some more money. That's what they're doing. And so what, we're, what you don't hear is that maybe God is going to send you a trial or send you a thorn in the flesh. You see, the blessing that God is telling you here is this. That if you had faith, then God will bless you to be able to obey Him. You get that? When you look at this and you say, Lord, I can't obey you in doing that. That is too hard. He says, no, no, no. If you have faith, even a little faith, like a mustard seed, then you can obey. Because obeying God is far better than all of the treasures that we just talked about. And that's what God desires for us. He desires that we be conformed to the image of His Son. He desires that we become more like He is. So that ultimately, we could be like Jesus on the cross where He forgives those who just crucified Him. That would be very difficult for any of us to do. And so what we see here... Is in this context, notice that in verses 1 through 4, Jesus teaches them two different things. He teaches them that temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It'd be better if a millstone were hung about his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones, a believer, to sin. He's telling us here that there are always going to be temptations, these, these snares that are to, to follow leaders and others who will play to the flesh. But Christ has called His disciples to persevere and to follow Him. And woe to those who lead His followers astray. Second, He addresses forgiving. He tells us this, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now notice He doesn't say, You should forgive him. What does He say? You must forgive him. So there is a moral obligation to to grant forgiveness if the person repents. And Now, this is difficult. This is very hard. How do we do this? The way that we do it is through faith. We do this through faith that Christ gives to us. Faith is a gift that God gives to us, and we seek this faith in order to live like Christ lives. So our theme this morning the, of what Jesus is going to teach the the disciples here, he calls them they're referred to as the apostles here in verse five, but is that acting on genuine faith in obedience to to Christ accomplishes hard things for God you did not think were possible. So the hard things for God these are this is the obedience. There are things that God calls you to do that are difficult, that are hard to do. And you think, how in the world can I do that? And he says, well, you need faith. You need to believe. You just need to obey Christ and believe. So let's look at this real quickly here. In verse, one, in verse 5, rather, point 1, we see the apostles' request for more faith. The apostles were overwhelmed. They felt as though we can't do this. We can't go around and just forgive uh, like this. After all, they thought, we've been taught you have to forgive three times. We're willing to double that and then go one more. And you're telling us seven times 70? Wow, that, that's very, very difficult. How are we supposed to do that? You're telling us that we need to be careful about these temptations and and all of these. Lord, we can't do this. And yet what we see is they come with a request to Jesus and they ask Christ to increase their faith. They don't ask. I want to give the apostles credit here, right? They don't come to Jesus and say, we don't like this. We don't want to do this. They come to Jesus and they say, we want to obey. We want to do the things that You have called us to do. We just sang some songs about that that talked about I I want to be in Your presence. I want to obey You. And so if that is your heart right now, if that's where your desire is, you say, Lord, I want to obey You. I don't do it perfectly, but I want to follow You. Then this is what Jesus is going to teach us. The disciples come with a request, and I love how Jesus is going to do this. They come to Jesus with a request, and the request isn't exactly the right request. And so Jesus very gently is going to correct that request, and that's very good because many times we may go to Jesus with a request, with asking from a genuine heart, and it might be asking the wrong thing, but He will gently intercede for us and will teach us the way that we should go. And so the apostles come and they say, increase our faith. Now they had faith. Remember, back in previous chapters, they had been sent out. They had been sent out and they had done miracles and they had been teaching and they had been preaching all around And there was a a following. They were part of the movement. They had been doing some incredible things that they never thought that they would be able to do. But because of God's grace, they were. And so here, we see that they're being called to do some very difficult things for God. This brings about humility. They realized that God was calling them to do something and they couldn't do it and you want to know something, that's exactly where God wants us. That's, that really is where God wants us. When we think, oh, I can do that, that's no problem. That is where we need to stop and think, I need to depend on God. So let's put it down this way in your notes if you're taking those. Point one is we need to recognize our insufficiency. The the apostles did that. They recognized their insufficiency. They recognized that they were not sufficient to do the things that God had called them to do. But they needed His help. They needed His grace. And so when we do this, this is pleasing to the Lord. Let's take a look at the Old Testament here, and, and get and uh, something the opposite way. In Exodus fourteen, if you'll turn there, please, or scroll there, or whatever. Uh, Exodus fourteen, we see this is a famous passage. You kind of know what happens, but it's really interesting. Rather than just getting the hitting the platitudes, to actually look at the text as to what is happening here. the 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 The, the Egyptians were following the children of Israel. They had been released after God had continuously hounded them with the plagues and finally they were on their way to freedom or so they thought and on the way God puts in front of them a huge body of water a body of water that they could not pass through And so they were trapped because in front of them was the Red Sea and behind them was the Pharaoh's army. The Egyptians were after them. And in chapter 14, beginning in verse 11, with the Egyptians marching behind them, it says that they feared greatly and they cried out to the Lord. It says, they said to Moses, it is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. So what we have going on here is that the people realize their inadequacy. They realized that here they were called to do something. They were called to leave Egypt. They were called to go to the promised land. And that, but now there were barriers. There were these things uh, that were in their way to uh, prevent them from doing exactly what God had called them to do. And that was to go and take the land and to be His people. And instead of, they recognized their inadequacy in this. They recognized that they weren't going to be able to fight the Egyptians. And so instead of saying, you know, the Lord had told us to do this and we're going to obey, thank you, Moses. Thank you for leading us and taking us this way. We believe you, we believe in God, and he's going to do something great. Instead of that, they feared. And by the way, how many times does the Bible say, do not fear? It says it a lot. Do not fear. Don't fear. And so he says, don't fear. But they did. They wanted to go back. They wanted to go back into slavery. Now think about the disciples here for just a second. If the disciples had said, you know what, Lord? This is too difficult. We'd rather just go back to fishing and, and kind of forget that we ever met you. We'd rather just go back and minister to maybe our families, whatever, or just kind of go back to our old Jewish way of living. Think about how different their lives would have been. But here, they, they, they wanted the Lord to increase their faith. Going back to Moses, Moses tells them not to fear, but rather to stand firm and to see God's salvation. And notice who's going to work it out. You see, it was the Lord who was going to work it out. He was, as you know the rest of the story, He was going to be the one who was going to part the sea, who was going to let them go on dry ground. All they had to do was what? Believe. All they had to do was obey. Go forward. Believe Moses and see the great things that he would do. Now eventually Moses would intercede and he would convince the people and he would lead them in that way but here with the disciples we see that this leads us to humility and this is where really we need to be Proverbs 3:34 says toward the scorners he is scornful but he is but to the humble He gives favor. This is quoted several times in the New Testament, including in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, I believe it is, and James 4.6, where He says, but He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We're going to come back to that word grace because that word grace is actually very rich. It's richer than what we think. So just pause, hold on, and remember that word grace. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. But here, this is what they were doing. They were asking the Lord to increase their faith. Look at verse 6. Look at Jesus' response. Notice Jesus doesn't say, you want it, you got it. He doesn't say, okay, I'll increase your faith. He doesn't say, hey, thanks for that humility. I'm going I'm to grant your request. He doesn't do that. He also doesn't say, you know, guys, you've been with me for about two years now, maybe two and a half. I'm going down to die. I appreciate everything you've done for me, but you really should know better than this. He doesn't do that. He teaches them. He teaches them, and he, he, he leads them in this way. And he says, he, he sees a mulberry bush and so he says, it's, it's kind of like this. And he tells them, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, see he was standing right there, the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. He says to them, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, this was the smallest of the known seeds. Skeptics like to come around and say, "Uh, see, the Bible's not true because there are seeds that are smaller than a grain of a mustard seed. But in this day and age, this is what they saw. This is what they knew. The smallest seed that they ever used was a mustard seed. So it made sense to them. This was the smallest seed that they used. And it would grow into a mustard tree. It was very big, very large, actually. And so it was used for all types of different things. And so Jesus takes them and He teaches them that it's not the quantity of faith, but the authenticity of faith that matters. Okay? It's not the quantity, larger or smaller, but it's the authenticity of faith that matters. Right even a little faith will take you to a great place. Let me illustrate that. If you go to Gatlinburg, okay, they have this huge walking sky bridge. Okay? It's 700 feet long. That's like two football fields long. Suspension bridge that takes you about 500 feet above Gatlinburg. You can walk across this thing, and when you get to the middle, there's a 30-foot section in the middle that is glass that you can stand there and look below. Now, I already see some of you are sitting there and you're shaking your head, and you're going, nope. And some of you are like, how much does it cost? Right? Right? Now, here's what I want you to see for a second. There are a couple different approaches to this. You can say, you know what? I'm going to experience this thing. And you may start walking on it and it shakes and it rattles a little bit as it should. And you may then drop to your knees and you're crawling. Right. And you're holding on to those cables and you're holding, and you get, and you come to the part where you can see beneath, and you close your eyes, and you are praying that the Lord will return now so that you don't have to go any farther. And you could, and if you go across that way with very little faith, you'll make it to the other side. Or you can be like those people, the crazy people, right? that they get on that and they go, right? And they're bouncing up and down and they're running and they're jumping and they're leaning over it and they stand in the bottom and they're taking pictures and they're like, hey, you know, selfies, you know, the selfie people before they die. But, you know, they're, they're doing all these and they're bouncing and they're having a great time and they run across and they make it to the other side too. See, they both made it to the other side. One just enjoyed it a little more than the other. But, you know, the person that doesn't experience it is the person that says, nope, not getting on it. I, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. That's no faith. The one that has a little faith gets on. The one that has a lot of faith runs across. And so that's really what it's like. How are you going to obey God? How are we going to do this? God tells us here is something difficult. We got to see what this powerful faith is like. God says that it is powerful faith. Small faith can do great things, he says. He gives this illustration. He uses hyperbole here. He's not literally talking about having the faith to pick up a mulberry tree and cast it into the sea. That's never been done. Okay? But he talks here about this idea of doing something that is great because God is great. You see, here's the important thing. That mulberry tree has an extensive root system. That is dug down very, very, very deep. And so it's not one of these little trees that they plant in new developments where you get you know a five mile an hour wind and the tree blows over. That's not what this is like. You're not going to get this tree out of the ground. And so it is something that is hard. It's something that is difficult to do. But even if you have a little bit of faith, you can do what God has called you to do. And that is how he tells us to live previously. And so when he tells us to do this, we have to understand that our faith, and get this, our faith is powerful, not because of faith in faith, but our faith is powerful because of the object in which our faith is in. Our faith is powerful because of the object of which our faith is in. See, your faith might not be very strong going across that bridge, or your faith might be really strong going across that bridge, but those, that faith isn't what holds you up. That bridge holds you up. And, and so you need to have your faith in something that is strong. You need to have your faith. There are a lot of people that put their faith in things that are weak, There are people that put their faith in things that will disappoint them. And what God has called us to do is to place our faith in Him. So our faith must be in God. That's what He is telling them. You must put your faith in God. Turn over to Mark chapter 11. It gives us A a parallel passage, a a teaching. Jesus probably taught this many times, so it's kind of like a proverbial teaching where Jesus is saying, "If you have a little bit of faith, you could do great things." And he probably taught that several different times, several different places, using different uh, introductions and different aspects to it. And in Mark chapter eleven, they were passing by in the morning beginning in verse 20, and they saw a fig tree. The fig tree withered away to its roots. Previously, Jesus had an encounter with this fig tree and was teaching. And Peter remembered and said to Him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And what does Jesus say in verse 22? He answers them, Have faith in God. And then he utters the same thing that he's been teaching here. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass and it will be done for him. And so what Jesus is teaching there is the same thing he's been teaching here, that if you encounter difficult things that God has called you to do, like forgiving people. Let's go outside of that, like sharing the gospel with someone. You have a coworker, you have a neighbor, you have a family friend, some, and you're like, I can't say anything. Uh-uh. I mean, I can. I, I can't. Now, Moses didn't think he could talk either, but the Lord uses when we are weak. He uses us in a great way and so he says that if you do this if you simply will obey him the power comes not from your faith but the power comes from the object of your faith and that is god leon morris writes it this way it is not so much great faith in god that is required as faith in a great god do you get that let me read that one more time It is not so much great faith in God that is required as faith in a great God. You see, you have to have faith in a great God. He's the one that brings it to pass. He's the one that moves the mountains. You just have a little bit of faith. And so all we really need is a little bit of faith to say, all right, Lord, you know, that person, it's my spouse, that person, it's my uncle, that person, it's my co worker. You know, they wronged me. They wronged me. I, I it was wrong. But I'm gonna forgive them. I'm gonna forgive them. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna seek restoration, but I'm gonna forgive them. And, and I can remain bitter and angry at them. That's the easy way. But no, Lord, I'm, I'm going to obey you and seek to do this. So Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching them that w- the way that they live, they need to have faith. They need to have faith and obey God in great th- things. That brings us to point two. Okay, point two is simply to obey and depend on God's grace. Remember, I told you we are going to come back to this idea of grace. So I want to look at the example of the Apostle Paul here for a minute. You know, obeying God puts us in difficult situations. Puts us in very difficult situations. Uh, difficult times. When he says, rejoice in the Lord when? Sometimes. And again, I say, sometimes rejoice. He says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And that's difficult to do, isn't it? Isn't it? It is very difficult to do, but yet the Lord commands us to do that. There are all kinds. Love your enemies. That's difficult to do, isn't it? Sometimes God—I mean, God—also taught us earlier. He said, "This. You need to love me more than." anything he said you need to love me more than your mother your father your sister your homeland you need to love me more than anything that's difficult isn't it some of you you have you have children and you're like yeah that's fine but the grandchildren now that's something different i love those grandchildren the children eh? but the grandchildren Right. God tells us to love him above everything. Like Luther says in his hymn, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, because his kingdom's forever. So it is very difficult to live as a pilgrim in another time for another place. That's what a pilgrim does. Right. Okay? They, they were on a pilgrimage, living for another place and another time. This world isn't your home. Okay? As the song are you're, you're just passing through here. And so that is difficult. We need to depend on God's grace as we read through Scripture to open our eyes that we would behold great and wondrous things and to be obedient to everything that He tells us to do. We can see this in the life of Paul. I want to just give two instances. The first one is Paul is writing from jail. He's in prison. He's uh, writing to the Philippians. And we're we're going to come upon another verse that is greatly taken out of context. But Paul says in Philippians 4, 11-13, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Whatever situation. And he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. So I, I, I know how to be content when I'm low. I know how to be rejoicing in the Lord, which he just said earlier in verse 4. Verse uh, 4. When things are going well and when things are low. He says in any and every circumstance and let me pause there for a minute because isn't that mostly what we want to change? Lord, change my circumstance. Change my circumstance. If you would change my circumstance Lord, I'd be happy. When if our hope is in God, when does God change? Never. He, he does not change. He's immutable. He does not. Ch- There's no shadow or variance in turning with God. And so when our hope is in Him, it doesn't matter the surrounding circumstance. Our hope is in Him. And so we can rejoice always. We can always know that He has our good behind Him. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And this is the key in verse 13. He's not talking about winning super bowls he's not talking about winning nba championships or anything like that in verse 13 he says i can do all things through him who strengthens me he's saying i can do all things i can obey god i can be content i can obey and do what he has called me to do not through you but through him because you are brought in union with Christ, I can do all things that He has called me to do through Him, through trusting in Him. And it might be something like, Lord, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't feel like doing this. You know, that's kind of one of those things a part of being an adult, right? You have to do things you don't feel like doing. Right? That Anything worthwhile... You have to push through and do it though you don't feel like doing it. And so sometimes we have to obey God. We're going to talk about this a little next week. Sometimes we have to obey God even when we don't feel like it. Sure, it should come from motivation of love for God. I understand that. But sometimes you just don't feel, it doesn't feel right. And so you just have to think through it. You have to pray and ask God, God, I can do this right thing Give me strength to do it. And I'm just going to obey you. And that might be you have health issues and you just need to trust God. Lord, I need I need you to increase my faith. I know that you know He doesn't ask you to increase it, but Lord, I need you to just help me to trust you. Because I can't do anything about it. So I just need you to trust. Lord, I need you to work in this other person's heart because i can't change their heart i can't change them i i'd like to but i can't and so we need to do all things through him because god strengthens us number two Paul dealt with these situations that were very difficult, but he also had to deal with difficult people. He had to deal with difficult people. And by the way, we're all difficult people. Okay? The difficult person that I'm talking about isn't the person sitting next to you. The difficult person is you. Okay? And it's me. I am difficult. Do you ever annoy yourself? Like, my goodness, I'm like, how? You know, anyway. We have to understand that there are going to be people that you just have to deal with. And so that's what forgiveness here was about. And so this is where grace is going to come in. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is how Paul dealt with it. Now, Paul was, he was enlightened. He was a, 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 an apostle to the Gentiles. He was called to proclaim the message. He formerly was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor of the church, and God radically saved him. I mean, he was riding down the Damascus road, and Jesus knocked him off a horse and said, you are mine. And he said, who are you, Lord? And I'm going to serve you. And if that's not God's sovereign election, I don't know what is. But nevertheless, he said, I'm going to use you and you're going to be a changed man. And not everybody trusted him at the beginning, but he went on and did great things. It wasn't perfect. And he was caught up to the heavens. Okay, He was caught up to the third heavens. And I don't have time to go into all of it. But, but this was the idea that he had seen things that no one else had ever seen. And he didn't come back and write a book about it. And he didn't come back and make a movie about it. But he said, I had seen so many things, I'm not even allowed to speak about them. That should tell you something. I can't even speak about it. But I saw incredible things. And so that might make you a little conceited, might it not? Right? Well, I've been to heaven. You know, y'all are just waiting to go there. I've already been there. I've seen it. I've seen the throne. You know what you're reading about in Revelation? I saw that. Yeah, And and the, the temptation too can be for us, let me just put it this way, temptation for us too could be Oh, this forgiveness? Oh, yeah, I forgive everybody. It's easy. You know, I don't even care. I just love Jesus so much. Yeah. And, and some people, you can arrive there and you just, I mean, it's a little easier. And some other people, they're like, man, I'm struggling because I drove out of my driveway and my neighbor didn't wave at me and I'm angry at him. Right? You know, and some some of us have a lot of different aspects to this. But here, Paul says, I've seen great things. And he says, so to keep me from being conceited, God never wants us to be conceited about how spiritual we are. To keep us because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that he saw. He said a thorn was given to him in the flesh. And I believe that this is what he's talking about. A messenger of Satan to harass him. To keep him from being conceited. Now, there are a lot, there's a lot of differentiation, a lot of various interpretations about that. What does that mean? Uh, some people think it's psychological. Some people think that it's a spiritual, physical, or a relational development. I personally think that it's a relational aspect because, with, a, with a person because he says, yes, it was a thorn in the flesh, but it was a messenger. Of Satan, so it could be a variety of things, but I think actually it's ambiguous on purpose, so that we 're not just like, "Oh well, that doesn 't apply to me right I don 't have that spiritual problem, you know, so I think that it, it could be a lot of these different aspects, and so I think that it was a person who dealt with you ever talk about somebody like that i 'm not saying it's right to do that, but I 'm saying that. You know, so-and-so, I'm not going to say anybody's name, so-and-so thorn in my side, right? Well, I think that maybe that's what's going on here. Paul dealt with some difficult people, difficult issues. And so this was a thorn in his side. And it says three times he pleaded with the Lord about this. I think the idea there is that in a complete sense, he, com- he calls to the Lord and says, Lord, help me. Remove this. And God doesn't say, okay, I'm going to take it away. I love you. I'm going to take that away from you. He says, no. He says, my grace, circle that word, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, here's the parallel. And here's where grace kind of goes off on a different track than what you maybe have thought before. My grace is sufficient for you For my power, that's parallel with grace. It says, I'm giving you grace. So what is the grace? The grace is my power is made perfect in weakness. So grace is actually God's power. When God gives you grace, He is giving you power to do what you are supposed to do. He says, My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. This is Paul's attitude. He says, okay, well, I'm going to accept this. I'm going to, I'm going to accept this as what has come down for me. I'm, I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so he's going to actually boast in the thorn in the flesh, so that the power of Christ, once again that's parallel with power and grace, that that might rest upon me. So then look at his attitude. His attitude is that for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults hardships, persecutions, calamities, all these things that happen to him because he's preaching the gospel, because he's living a godly life. And he says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, we need God's grace. We need His power. So we don't need more faith. We need to take the power that God has given us, the faith that we already have, and just do what He has called us to do. And so God is showing His self great. So the point is this, when we recognize that we are inadequate, that we are weak to follow all of God's commands, to be His disciples, we turn to Him. Lord, I can't do this, but I want to do it. We turn to Him. We recognize our weakness We plead with Him for power, which is God's grace, and we move forward in faith, in victory, in obedience. Now, we have to push through to obey. And when we do this, we give God glory. Because we didn't do it, God's power did it. And it was through faith. Now, you may say, well, that sounds great, but I'm probably not going to do that every time. I'm going I'm to fail. And that's why we understand, you know, we are humans. We're not going to do that all the time. But thank God for His grace that when we do fail, as is exhibited in the disciples' lives, right? They failed. They failed big time. They were just about to fail big time. When Jesus went through His darkest hour, they deserted Him. And yet, Jesus restores him, doesn't He? He's so kind and gracious and merciful. And so when we fail, when we lack faith to do the right thing, and we sin, we thank God for the forgiveness that we find in Christ. For when we confess our sins, God is faithful, and He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we give Him praise and glory. You see, if we come to Him and we have faith, even like the grain of a mustard seed, we could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. When we come to those aspects of God where He tells us to do things and we need to obey even those seemingly impossible things, if we will just believe Him and obey, then it will be done. So God has called us to do some very hard things. But if we recognize our inadequacy, if we have faith in Him, and we simply obey what He has called us to do, then we can live a life of a devoted follower of Christ. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, You've called us to obedience to You. We are grateful for who You are. And Lord, there are some very difficult things You have called us to do. To live like Christ. To love like Christ. Lord, these are hard things. And so we confess to You, Lord, one that we don't obey You and we seek Your forgiveness for that. And second of all, Lord, we, we recognize that we are not able to do these things. We see that You have called us to, to forgive people. It might be a spouse, a son, a daughter. It might be a parent. And they've hurt us badly. But Lord, You've called us to forgive Lord, You have called us to watch ourselves. And so, Lord, these are difficult, hard things to do. And So, Lord, I want to pray and ask that You will help us. Help us to say, despite the fact that it's hard, we're going to obey You. Give us grace. Give us Your power, Lord. Give us your power and help us to exhibit Christ. To do these things through him, through his power, by his grace. When we are weak, Lord, then we're strong. So, Lord, we pray that you will do this in our lives. And, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, doesn't know the saving power of Christ. Know that they can place their faith in Him. Just believe. He is the bridge. All they have to do is walk out. Believe and trust that He will hold them up. Not trusting in themselves. Trusting in Christ alone. He lived the perfect life that we can't live. He died the death that we deserve. O God, we pray that our faith in You might be strong. May it not waver, because we know our God does not waver. So our faith is in the great I am, the self-existing Lord God of all creation. Help us to leave here, Lord to go and walk in obedience to Christ, in whose name I pray. And now, may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you all. Amen. Lord bless you.